Hi, this is Donna Otto, and this is the season of Advent. And I'm here to remind you of a few things that are going on in the ministry life of modern homemakers. Uh, if you haven't got your Advent candle, we have about six left, so maybe ten. If you really want one at this time of the season, write us, uh, email us, and we'll try to get one out to you ASAP. There are still red plates, which are wonderful family gifts, and um, the big Advent Bible book has not come this year. There's been um, a crisis in that family, and it is a very family-owned and run operation. We're trying to keep you uh, fresh uh, with Advent ideas, and we have reposted a 2016 series on Advent, which was really designed for family challenges, an opportunity for families to gather, and small projects, easy projects, crafts. If I say the word craft, do you run in terror like I do? Well, these are so easy, even I don't run in terror. And we tried them four years ago, every one of them, and they were very simple. And the majority of them only needed things you can find at home, like aluminum foil and paper and pens and scissors and tape and so on. So today I want to do um, something that I would call it a, a little mini-series of three I words, three I words, and those three I words are invitation, iteration, and intimacy. And I want to open our time by reading something that Dallas Willard, who I admired so much, who is now in the arms of Jesus, I'm certain, um, before he would speak to anyone in an audience, he would close his eyes, bow his head, raise both of his hands with his arms and palms pointed forward to the audience, and speak these words over all of the students. It didn't matter what kind of students, but particularly his college students. I pray that you would have a rich life of joy and power abundant in supernatural results, with a constant, clear vision of never-ending life in God's world before you the everlasting significance of your work day by day, a radiant life and a radiant death. Ah, I was jogged with remembrance when I looked for this prayer, a radiant life and a radiant death. Death is all around us, isn't it? Um, I've watched, as you have, some of the television, which I watch very little of as far as news and documentaries about what's going on around the world. I do try to keep abreast of the numbers, and I realize how many people have lost a loved one. If there are 350 million people in America and 300,000 of them have died, then we are all, I don't know what magical number my husband and I tried to figure out, we are all 120th from someone we know who's died from this. And in my life, uh, it's much closer. It's much closer. I'm four steps away from two men who have died in the family, a family of which I love and am very close to. So as we go through Advent together, I want to encourage you to think about um, this pandemic and how you are approaching it and how you are thinking about a radiant life, the life you're living. Does it feel very radiant to you? It's a very hard season. 
But I wonder sometimes, is do I make it harder because I'm not as strong in my faith and God's protection? Not just protection from death, but protection from the ideas, the fears, the thoughts, and then radiant death. Oh, I suppose you're just like me. You've seen enough movies where someone dies gloriously in the arms of Jesus, smiling as if the angels are calling them home. Arms are up and smile on their face. And I say, mm, that isn't how I think it looks. I was with my grandmother when she died. It certainly didn't look like that. But I do think it can be radiant. And I think the things we do now as we settle ourselves into Advent, as we try to make time for solitude and silence for ourselves to hear him, as we try to not run from God, that we can look forward to a radiant time. So I'd like to speak to you in the next few days about these three words, iteration, I-T-E-R-A-T-I-O-N, invitation, and intimacy. I love words that start together. They are all I words. Invitation. What does it mean to have an invitation? Whether you're left off the third grade tea party or not picked for the team over and over again, or at the frat house someone said no, or maybe the sorority you wanted didn't offer and another did. The church that closed to young people and to newcomers. Being left out stinks. Often being left out drives us to too muchness. Too muchness. Neil Posteman says we are amusing ourselves to death. Amusing ourselves to death. And I do, I must tell you, I have this contrast sometimes and I see it, um, an, another advertisement for some extravaganza. And I think, I wonder what that cost. I wonder if that cost millions or millions. And then I hear just in the next interview, uh, the needs of a family who don't have nourishment for daily sustenance. Postman says we are musing ourselves to death, and today entertainment is a multi-billion dollar industry. How many zeros does a billion have, my grandson said to me some years ago. I said, well, let's write down the number, and then you can count them. If the health club invites you, or the dinner party again, is not enough. We have an Xbox, 2,000 plus channels on TV, Netflix, and how many servers are there now? My husband and I were laughing about it, saying, is it Peabody or is it, honey, he said it's not Peabody, it's Peacock. Oh, oh, I thought it was Peabody. I, I can't keep up with them because there are so many of them. Do you have any idea of what God is inviting you to? Do our yeses to much entertainment divert us or stroke our egos? The growth of the church and you and me, our collective churches, grow as we respond to his invitation. He is the first and great inviter. His invitations let us know that we are wanted, loved, named, and known. I say that again. His invitation, his wooing and pursuing us constantly, reminds us that we are wanted, loved, named, and known. The Gospels are full of his invitations to join with others in relationship.
Jesus is always inviting, always initiating. Come, follow me. His first invitation in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. His last invitation in John 21, chapter 21, which is the last chapter of the book of John. John being my favorite gospel, I didn't always say that, but about 10 years ago, John became my favorite gospel. And in John chapter 21, verse 22, which is about the fourth verse from the end of it, he said, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that you remain until I come, what is it that you do? Come, follow me. What is it that you will do? Come, follow me. He is always the great inviter. He invites us to abide in him. What does abide mean? Stay with him. Don't start and stop. Stay with him. He is important. We play a lot of cards at our house, and I grew up in a family that played poker all the time. Poker was the event for every celebration. My family was not a Christocentric family. I'm not even sure we prayed over Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, but we played poker. We played poker, and the chips were in, and we stayed in the poker game, and we would make fun of the people who had a bad hand, but they weren't willing to throw a few chips in. Oh, they'd say, stay, stay in the game, stay in the game, because they knew every round around, they'd put another chip in, whoever won would have a bigger pot. Hmm. Jesus says, abide in me, stay in me. He says, I am the initiator. It's partly how God made us. Now, some of us are more initiators than others. I personally am an initiator. I invite I seek, I reach out, I call. And many years ago, I had an encounter with some of my closest friends. And all of a sudden, I thought, this is it. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them that I feel like I do all the initiation and they don't. And several of them looked at me rather surprised. I said it much nicer than that. I really did. It was all very planned and perfectly executed. Now, one of the women said to me the very next day, I had no idea. You do it so well and so easily. I had no idea, but I value so much I want to show you that I can initiate. And for months, for years afterwards, she would call me on the phone and she'd say, Hi, I'm initiating. (laughs) That's all she would say. (laughs) I miss her so. I miss her so. I think I started that because I was afraid I wouldn't get invited in. I also decided that those small groups, you know, where they ask those dumb questions, reflective, thoughtful questions, I thought if I lead the group, then I can ask the questions. I don't have to answer them. I was still in. I asked all the questions. Initiators are often harder to invite anywhere to anything. Jesus is like that. I think my initiation kept me from being a good receiver, and God has training me up and continuing to train me up to be a receiver. We need to pause and say, where have I not invited Jesus in? What rooms am I keeping out of his hand? How would this portion of my life look with Jesus in it? What am I afraid to do if I invite him in? I think all of us recognize if we invite Jesus in to abide in our lives, to abide in our lives, if we do that invitation, we're going to have to change our lifestyles. We don't want them. Decrees are not invitations. They are mandates. But Mary was invited by God through the angel. Joseph was invited by Mary's family to be her husband, by an angel of the Lord in a dream. 
Brother, not only does he have to accept the Immaculate Conception never before or since, but he has to hear from the Lord via an angel. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think about that, and I think, poor Joseph was like, he was stuck. <laughs> he didn't have much option to that invitation, did he? But in a dream with details, the son, he did not. He told him exactly what to do. He would name him Jesus. His invitations are all from way out there on the far end of the ballpark. His invitation also seems to be responding to immediately. And when he woke up, he took for his wife. He did not have relationships. He did name the child Jesus. Joseph's invitation were complex and lengthy. And he had many months to think about it, to retract it, to be annoyed. But Jesus's family comes from Bethlehem because Joseph had a family in Bethlehem and received an invitation from God to go to Jerusalem, and that is where Jesus is born. It is possible to continue keeping the invitations at bay, but I would pray that you would recognize, well, there may be less written invitations to parties, to events. My husband said to me at dinner, does that mean there won't be any parties this year? And I said, no, that's what it means, hon. And um, we've just moved into a new house, and we decorated for Christmas. It would be so fun to have some friends in. But this is the time we're asked, being asked to not do that. That invitation doesn't preclude the invitations that come during an opportunity to be quiet, to be quieter before the Lord. I love this word invitation, whether it's, an invitation from the White House and the envelope is to be kept forever, or it's an invitation from a friend to meet for a Zoom meeting these times, these days, or it's the soft invitation of Jesus who says, come, come, come and follow me. It is his clearest and most regular invitation as he woos and pursues us during this season of Advent, a time of waiting. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of receiving his invitations. Mm-hmm.